Welcome to Strange Phenomena, the music of Kate Bush. I am Cecily, and this week we're going to be continuing talking about the red shoes. So we've talked about the first one. We've gone, you know, twanged like a rubber band with Rubber Band Girl. And now we're going to slow it down a little bit for track number two, which was also a single like Rubber Band Girl. And this week we're talking about track number two, And So Is Love. and welcome to another episode of Strange Phenomena, the music of Kate Bush. As always, I am Cecily, and I'm really excited to put out this episode for several reasons. First reason is that, hey, this is the first new episode of the new year. So happy new year 2023 to all of you guys. I hope you all have had a really cool uh, year so far. My years so far, I mean, we're only, I'm recording this now on January 7th, and I mean, it's, I'm only seven days in, but it's been pretty cool so far, because also I'm putting out a new episode of the show, yay! So for those of you who might be wondering why I haven't released an episode in about a month and a half, yeah, I'm not real proud of that sometimes when that happens, I was going to put this out in December, and then I got sick. I got some sort of upper respiratory thing. It was not COVID. I did the test, had the swab and all that. Again, not a fun test to take. And it came back negative. So I think what I had was just some sort of really bad upper respiratory thing. Might have even been that RSV virus that's been going around. Fun times. But at any rate, um, <laughs> I was not in the mood to talk. I even took a week off my job because it was just I sounded like this, and like it, it wasn't good. And I was coughing like I was coughing and hacking like yeah, it was not good. So I just didn't have the energy. I just needed to rest and all that. So that's why I uh, haven't put out an episode in a while because I was going to record a little intro like this, and I can't live with it. Why not sound good? So fortunately, I'm all better and everything. So that's why I haven't put out one in a while. But I, speaking of kind of putting things out there, um, these are kind of my goals for this year for the show. I'm not really going to call them resolutions. I, I'm kind of one of those people where I just think of, instead of it being New Year's resolutions, it's more like goals. Um, so here are my goals for the show. My goals for the show, though, on the main feed is to do two or three episodes a month. So basically, like, maybe two weeks in between and then maybe then you get another one the next week or something like that. 
But that's my goal is to do two or three episodes per month because I've got all of these recorded and mostly edited. I just need to go through and just make sure how everything sounds and everything flows. So that means that I'll be done with the red shoe season by kind of April and May-ish, I think, with the main stuff. And then we'll do a break of about a month before we do the B-sides and collaborations and other songs. So we're going to get to, we'll get to talk about Show a Little Devotion. Um, My Computer is going to be the final song, the song that she did with Prince and all that fun stuff. And that will take us into like kind of September, October-ish. And then we'll start prepping for Ariel, which is going to be really exciting because let me tell you, like, it's kind of spoiler alert. That was technic- That was the first new Kate Bush album I ever heard because when I became a fan in like 2004, early 2005, there was already talk of Kate Bush releasing her first album in 12 years and it felt very convenient for me because, oh, okay, hey, this is a cool time to be a fan. I mean, any time is a good time to be a Kate fan, but knowing that she's going to be putting out something new soon, hey, that's pretty cool and I just got into this artist, so it works out really, really well. So I've got some really cool personal connections with a lot of those songs on Ariel. And I'm sure a lot of you guys too do too, especially if you saw the if you saw the Before the Dawn shows. So those are the goals. And we'll hopefully get to Ariel later this year or uh, into into next year. And so that's what the goals kind of for the main feed. Now I do have a Patreon feed that I do apologize. I haven't gotten to in a little while, but I do have some goals for that as well. My main goal is to put out something every couple months. So the, the Patreon feed is for more exclusive interviews. Like I interviewed Sean Toomey, who was the founder of KateBushNews.com. I got to speak with him. I also spoke with a, a longtime Kate fan on there as so well. That was actually the first episode I did. And that was something I recorded way back in like 2017 I think kind of kind of as I was prepping even the first season of the show and was also about two or three mics ago so the sound quality on the mic is not the best but it's what I had at the time you eventually upgrade um so kind of my goal is to just put out something every couple months um just like my fa- here are my favorite Kate Bush instrumentals, or here are my favorite uh, Kate Bush songs, which just her and a piano, that kind of thing. And if any of you guys listening are interested in the Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash Kate Bush podcast is where you can find it. So as for this week's episode, so this week's episode is all about the second song from The Red Shoes, and so is love. And so for this one, I got to speak with Emery Bonanella, who is a longtime Kate fan like me, and also like me, uh, The Red Shoes was the first album she ever heard from Kate Bush. So both of us kind of have a similar um, jumping off point, I suppose. And so we have some really cool histories with the song, like her and also, also for me. So without further ado, Let's get on into it. I hope you guys enjoy this week's episode, and thank you so much for listening. And with me to talk about the song this week is a longtime Kate Bush fan and uh, 
we were we were chatting a little bit before before we started pressing record here, and she's been on the show before. In fact, the first time she was on the show was for Suspended and Gaffa all the way back in the Dreaming. Oh my gosh, I can't believe it's been like four years, I think, since that came out. Yeah, it's so been a long time. so we're talking this week with Emery. Hi. Hi, everyone. I'm excited to be back talking about one of my absolute top five Kate Bush songs. I don't know. It just it just gets me right in the feels. I don't know about you. It does. It it does um, a little bit on this one. Yeah. If, If especially if I'm in the right mood for it. I just feel like I'm always in the mood for this. It's very tragic, melancholy, but I'm just always in the mood for that when it comes to this type of atmospheric music. I don't know. I mean, it's just such a contrast with the sort of like bouncy, how would you describe Rubber Band Girl? Kind of like a joyful romp. I don't know. <laughs> I don't really know the words to say Rubber Band Girl, but... It really is like a stark contrast to the beginning of the album. Mm-hmm. No, I would say like it's um, very bouncy. I would say, I mean, it's a rubber band. <laughs> Think mm-hmm. bouncy. <laughs> like it's it's very upbeat and like gets you into it. And then we get this one that's like, okay, now we're gonna now it feels like okay, we're gonna slow it down for all you lovers out there. yeah exactly (laughs) but it's like it's like the tragedy of love you know it's not Mm -hmm. like a normal love song where you you feel like sensual or sexy or you feel like happy because you're singing singing about love it's like the just total the heartbreak of love Kate does with it what she does with all of her music which is just makes you feel all the emotions you never felt before in hearing a piece of music and I still, you know, in taking notes for this, this episode and just like watching the video on repeat and listening to the song on repeat, even though I've heard it a million times, I just was feeling all these new things, feeling all these new emotions and ah, what a gift really. And, um, yeah, we were talking before, um, we started recording about how, what a interesting time to be talking about Kate Bush because she's so, popular and on top of the world right now mm-hmm. with um, running up that hill everybody's listening to it maybe they're rediscovering it or maybe they're hearing about her for the first time and it makes me so happy I mean I know there's like I don't know if you've read all the think pieces out there about what it means to be a Kate Bush fan in a time where Kate Bush is on top of the charts I've read a few of them yeah and I'm curious what you think about that I mean so this is kind of dating here. So guys, this is going to be coming out and like, this is coming to your ears in like August, September, 2022. We're recording this in June and it's actually the Friday where she's now number one in the UK, which mm-hmm. is just freaking amazing. Um, and I've read a few of them and I think it's, honestly, I think it's absolutely fantastic because, you know, more people are discovering her music. You hope that they're going to go beyond running up that hill, guys. If you're listening, I mean, obviously, if you're listening to this right now, please make sure you find out more of her music. <laughs> like, you hope that people go more more beyond the music or that one song. But, you know, even if, even if people, even if there are people who don't, 
at least her name's out there. Her name is out there more than it's ever been. And it's, it's, it feels surreal. It actually, you know, it, it really just feels surreal that, whoa, in Amer- finally, America is waking up to Kate Bush. <laughs> yeah, so she's always been known and popular in the mm-hmm. UK. But I feel like she was kind of like a little bit of a cult icon in America. Yeah. You know, music lovers know her. Super fans are obsessed. But I say to, you know, just friends that I have, like, oh, I'm going, I'm driving to L.A. this weekend because I'm going to go see this Kate Bush tribute act. And they're like, what? And I have to explain who Kate Bush is and why she needs so many tribute acts because she doesn't really do live concerts or tours. And it's like a whole long explanation. And I don't really have to explain anymore. People know and it feels good, you know. And and Mm -hmm. I do say to people, well, I'm really excited that this like really accessibly beautiful song is so popular running up that hill. But like if you do a deep dive, you, you know, I'm so excited for people to discover how weird it gets mm-hmm. and how beautiful it gets. And I want, you know, imagine like a young girl finding and so is love for the first time oh, to be that young girl again, like discovering it all for the first time. It's I'm just I mean, so happy for all these new baby Kate Bush fans like waking up. Mm hmm. Well, and even I was pretty young when I first heard this song. So like. When I, my, fir- my first experience with the Red Shoes, just in general, I mean, actually, this was the technically the first album. I mean, it was also your first album, too. Yeah, and you remember that. Yeah. I like, got it from the library. Yeah, you got it from the <laughs> library. And mine was like, yeah. you know, my mom knew that I was into British female singers. She walked into Sam Goody, said, hey, my daughter's into British female singers. Who do you recommend? And the lady <laughs> behind the counter said, all right, here, she'll really enjoy Kate Bush and hands her... <laughs> the red shoes album and i got it for christmas and so i guess this would have been i really want to say this is probably the third kate bush song i ever heard because the first her song i ever heard was weathering heights because mm-hmm. i was obsessed with the book and went oh i wonder if there's a song about about my favorite book because it was my really? favorite book at the time yeah it was my favorite <laughs> book at the time and of course like i read that book later uh, for the as a, a not a teenager and I just went oh my god these people <laughs> yeah <laughs> like these are two of the most some of the most horrible people just finally just just go on ahead and screw okay you both really want to just uh. so I was that- surprised that you wanted to see if there was a song about it I'm like oh. <laughs> well because <laughs> at the time like when I was a teenager because at the time I was like 15 or 16 and um and I and just like I don't know why. I thought it was this big romantic story. And then I reread it in my 20s. And I'm just like, mm, cricket, cricket. Yeah, he's just kind of an abuser. <laughs> yeah, just, just a little bit, just a little bit. Um, so this was probably the third song I ever heard. Because I remember I put on the album and I would have heard Rubber Band Girl first. And then this was the third song. And I remember liking it. It was. I was like, oh, this is kind of like spooky and moody a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, spooky is a good good uh, way to describe it for sure. Mm-hmm. And then, like, of course, later I ended up getting um, I ended up getting the uh, sheet music book for the Red Shoes the album. So it's got the chords and the vocal line and the piano parts for all the songs on the album. And I come to find out that, oh, and also there, there's not as many chords. And that's, I think, going to be kind of a running theme I've noticed for a lot of songs on the Red Shoes is that 
sometimes they're just going back and forth between two chords, like in the case of the title track. And this one is like maybe f f it, like in the verses, it goes like G minor, F, G minor, F, G minor, F. And then there's like mm -hmm. an E flat. And then there's a D, especially when she gets it. And so is love. Like, like D and then goes to G minor. And it's not a, not terribly complicated. Is quarterly a word? No, it's probably not. Um, <laughs> maybe not in the complexity of number of chords. But I was noticing in breaking down the song how complex the the song is. Uh, Instrumental with instruments. <laughs> I feel like I can't articulate that well. There are, it's okay. there's, there's so many elements at play. And it, it I think sonically, it, this song grabs me so much more than others do because of, of its complex nature that way. I'm like, wow, to come up with the, those rhythms. I like, I mean, we'll get into the Clapton guitar part because, but like the instrumentation of this song, I think is genius. So sometimes you only need a few chords, you know? Yeah. I mean, and there's actually a quote that, that uh, this is for future Sassy here. Um, there's there's actually a quote from her that, that I'm going to insert later where she talks about it being written pretty quickly. That she, uh, that Dell came up with a drum sequence. She came up with the chords, wrote it straight to the tape, and um, kind of just tootled around with it from there because I know she was she was trying to do a little bit more of like okay I'm gonna sit here at the piano or like keeping it a little bit simpler I guess and now here's future Cecily punching in here this is the quote that I had mentioned during my talk with Emery this is from I really don't know exactly where this is from, but I found it on livinginthepast.demon.co.uk slash red underscore shoes a dot html. And it's my understanding that this is something that I guess she sent out, Kate sent out to maybe her fan club or something. But in this document, she talks about every song on the red shoes. So here's what she said about And So Is Love. And so is love, again, was written quickly. With a drum sequence from Dell, I wrote this song straight onto tape, duff, chords, and all. The original keyboards were kept, and the drum and bass were done together, replacing the rhythm sequence. Working with Eric Clapton was a really exciting for me. I love his playing, and I hoped one day we'd work together. I think his performance is very moving, and I felt he was very sensitive to the track. The idea of the song was a question-answer phrase like a conversation between a voice and the voice of a guitar, I will always treasure the memory of looking over my shoulder and seeing Eric playing in our control room. Originally, the song was a minute longer, and although I wanted the feel of the track to unfold, it unfolded and then fell on the floor. <laughs> so the edit tightened the track up, although only the other day I became aware it's over six minutes long. I thought it was about three and a half. Life is sad and so is love, was a phrase I heard said by a man called Joseph Campbell. He studied a great deal of mythology and religions and was extremely lucid. It was a line he used as a conclusion, and it didn't feel negative to me, just realistic in a powerful statement. So what is, um, oh yeah, so I got it from the library. I got the Red Shoes oh. from the library because, you know, we're, we're Tori Amos fans. I was a Tori Amos fan. And somebody mm -hmm. was like, oh, if you love Tori, you'll love Kate. Got Red Shoes from the library. Heard Rubber Fangirl was really thrown off. I was like, this sounds nothing like Tori. I don't know. I'm not into it. But I think a few years, it, it takes me a long time to sometimes get into complex 
music, especially when I was a younger girl. Yeah. Just like here. my favorite band, the Cocktail Twins. Whenever I first heard the Cocktail Twins, I was like, I don't know about this. And then they like became my favorite band in the world. So I just wasn't ready for Kate at that moment. And so I can't remember when I actually dove into the Red Shoes, um, when I actually just heard the full thing and fell in love. It might have been after I was like already a Kate fan with other other albums but um you brought up del palmer and so Mm -hmm. i wanted to know do you do you know the timeline of their relationship like was this was like a breakup album you know i feel like this definitely is a little more of a breakup album than whatever what she did before yeah it's my understanding that their relationship kind of disintegrated while the album was being made Okay, because I mean, obviously, um, uh, uh, you're the one. Is that what it's called at the end of the album? Yeah. You're the one I, want. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is a total breakup song. So beautiful. So just your heart's just like ripped wide open. And there's so there's so much of that tragedy of love in and so is love. And I just can't help but feeling just like seeing her letting go of the relationship while writing the song, um, especially towards the end of the song when she says, you set me free, I set you free. Mm-hmm. I thought, okay, this has got to be about Dell. It's got to be about so much more than just understanding that life should be about love. Do you know how the, the song begins? Is that a pan flute? <laughs> it sounds like some kind of like... It's actually a Hammond organ. Um, so there's actually four people who play on, well, I guess five, including Miss Kate, of course. There's uh, her, uh, got Stuart Elliott on drums. John Giblin is on bass. Um, the Hammond organ. So it, it is, it's a, it's a organ. Um, Gary Brooker. And then guitar from Eric Clapton, which I was yeah. very surprised to hear on this. The, the guitar part alone is what makes the song for me. It's such an emotional song. And the way that the guitar kind of echoes what she says, what she sings, she'll sing a a line and then the guitar will come in. And I mean, I would have just loved to have been a fly on the wall in the room where Clapton was writing that guitar part and kind of figuring out how he was going to echo her. I mean, it's it's totally genius what he does with his part. And we know Kate is like, she writes these like musical... um, tribute to instruments. She's got the saxophone song. She's got violin. So it doesn't surprise me that she probably is so in love with an electric guitar because I, I personally am. I love like a, a like a juicy, like melodic uh, electric guitar solo. Um, mm-hmm. And like uh, the fact that Dave Gilmore is credited with discovering Kate kind of. I mean, he basically is, right? Yeah. Uh, I'm not surprised that she would. I mean, I'm I'm actually surprised that it wasn't Dave Gilmore who played on this track. But whatever, you know, I would have, I would love to hear what he would have come up with because I I love a Pink Floyd guitar solo. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> just thinking about it right now, like my eyes are <laughs> rolling back in my head. It's so good, and um, I I just would have loved to see how Eric Clapton came up with his part because I think it is just, just truly genius, and so. Yeah, the way he echoes her, the way he he underlines her her lyrics is is just really really special. Mm-hmm. I think it's like one of the only tracks where she's got like a singing electric guitar like this. 
Like so prominently soloed? I can't think of another. The only other one I can think of is is Wuthering Heights. Because that song ends with a and fades out with a guitar solo. Right, right. But it, it that almost feels just like a, a coda, I guess you could say, just sort of like a um, okay, like the song is ending here. We're just gonna like fade out with this. It's not like a another voice. You know, it's like Kate's mm. basically doing a duet with Eric Clapton in this song, but Eric Clapton is just playing the guitar, not singing. So mm-hmm. it just, oh wow, it gets me. I don't know. So. Something a little bit corny that I got really into this year is, um, and I didn't even know this album existed, and I'm not really a Barbra Streisand, like, freak, but I (laughs) found her album that she did with Barry Gibb. Have you ever heard it? Guilty? I haven't. Wait. I think I know which one you're talking about. Is that something from the, uh, one of hers from the 80s? It's from 1980. Yeah. Oh, Mary that has Gibb "Woman in Love" in it. On it, I'm woman, a woman in love. In love. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. I can love. see it because so, it's like kind of faded looking a little bit. It looks uh-huh. very like it look. It, it still looks very seventies. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like a post disco album. It's not quite disco, but it's like on the cusp of like disco ending, and it's it's so groovy and cool. I just love it. I honestly walk my dog and listen to like Barbara Streisand and Barry Gibb. So um, there's a song at the very end of the album called Make It Like a Memory. And there is this, oh, there is an electric guitar solo that just like takes me out of myself. And I'm like transcending to the heavens when I hear it. So that's exactly what I'm feeling when I hear Eric Clapton play as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you said it's, it's not a, a pan flute. It is a something organ, say the Hammond organ. Yep. It is a Hammond organ. So I'm, uh, I've never played an organ. Now, one of um, now one of my friends, he was an organist, like, and, and actually has like played an organ. It's just like whoa, cool. But um, Hammond is known for the. It's an electric organ. Um, I'm actually going to link to it here in the in the show notes. Uh, it's an electric organ invented by Lawrence Hammond and John M. Hannert, and first manufactured in 1935. It's it almost it it's basically it looks like a key like a, a piano keyboard, but it's got two keyboards to it, and it's got like this kind of droning sort of sound to it. It's used a lot. Um, it's used a lot in uh, sometimes in churches. Uh, mm-hmm. Instead of having a huge wind driven pipe organ, you might have something like this, or even instead of a piano. It's also, like, it was used a lot for uh, professional jazz musicians. Um, Sometimes in, or they had organ trios. Um, In fact, uh, jazz club owners often found that organ trios were cheaper than hiring a big band. Oh, wow. (laughs) And it's, it's... It has such, like, I mean, the way she's using it in the song, it has this, like, ethereal, airy quality to it. Kind of reminds me of, like, a new age track. Mm. Um, I got really into new age music in the 90s when it was like all the rage, you know. Mm-hmm. So that's why I was like, oh, is this a pan flute? Because <laughs> I was thinking about new <laughs> age music. <laughs> but I'm like, I can't see Kate like sitting in the studio with a pan flute. But you know what? She's so experimental. You never know. You never know what she's using. So. Well, e- even if it's not Kate herself playing it, if it were a pan flute, it, would pro- it might be her brother. 
Patty. Yeah, Patty bringing it like, Patty's okay, okay. Like, okay, what kind of cool instrument you want now? Oh, you want something I can like kind of blow into and it sounds really cool? Hey, how about let me let me bring this. Of course, I'm saying this like in my very like melanic working accent there. It doesn't sound nearly as cool as it probably would be if he were saying it. <laughs> <laughs> Everything sounds better in a British accent, guys. <laughs> yeah, for real. Yeah, what I was saying, just very ethereal, like the two the two notes back and forth. And the, uh, I just, that beginning, that beginning, and, and I'm like tearing up just thinking about how the, the song begins. It really just, it, it transports me out of my body. I don't even know how to really put it into words. But it's funny because I feel like her lyrics are very basic in the song. Such an emotional song, and yet... It's not poetry. It's really basic lyrics. And if you see it on paper, you're like, what are these lyrics? Is it, and you, huh? You do, huh? Mm-hmm. <laughs> what a funny way to open the track. You know, I, I have noticed that too, that, um, and that's something I've noticed throughout quite a bit of the Red Shoes as I'm going back and listening to it and doing notes for the for the songs to come, that... The, the lyrics are a lot more straightforward. Like, you look at the lyrics and you're like, yeah, I, I know what this is about. Like, you, you scan just one through like, yep, yep. This is about how, like, the complications of love, love not being able, not being enough to save a relationship, things getting complicated as you get older, and maybe it's yeah. better to get let, let go of a relationship rather than trying to save it because love is not enough. Yeah, it doesn't take a, a, a mathematician, rocket scientist to figure out what she's singing about, but that doesn't make it any less poignant or less beautiful. Honestly, on this on this song, she's saying, ooh, baby, live your life for love. And it's like, okay, you know, that's like very, it sounds like a Hallmark card or something. But the way she's like kind of cooing it and singing it at us, it's just, I've never heard anything more poignant in a way. Like, to be that to the point, to not speak in a metaphor, to not, like, write poetry about it, to just be so to the point, it should also be celebrated in music. Because, I mean, we, we, we like to delve into all of these songwriters' lyrics and be like, oh, wow, this is like a piece of poetry. This is what, is, what do you think they're talking about there? What do you think they mean? And it's like, you don't need to dissect the song at all in, that, in the same way. I try not to delve too much into, oh, like, what is her private life and stuff like that. Because, you know, she's a celebrity. She deserves her, her privacy. But yeah, I have to wonder if some of this was maybe inspired by some of the things that she was going through with Dell. Oh, for sure. I mean, I feel like this whole album was probably inspired by that. I mean, especially in whatever happens, what really matters, it's all we've got. Isn't that enough? I mean, so she's kind of doing these half sentences, these half questions, and you, huh, you do, huh. 
she's like, we let it in, we give it out. And it's like, what's it? What, what are you talking about? Like what, what? And then she, she says like, you give me your, I give you my, and then she says, you give me your joy. But the way she says joy, it's almost like this release. And the way she puts specific emphasis on the word joy, it's just genius. Uh, there's not, like I'm not making like good points about it, but it it's just genius. I give you my, I give you my. And I and you saying you saying earlier what um, you know she's singing she's singing it's it's quiet it's melancholy the music's moving and she says you know and so is love and then when she finally comes in with the big and so is love yeah the octave it's kind jump. of like a like the octave jump it's like kind of like this orgasmic release it is just. I mean, the first time I ever heard her sing that loudly in the song, it's it's on par with the the way the electric guitar comes in and kind of mirrors her, like this back and forth between her voice and the guitar, and then she does that octave jump, and she just, like, elevates it. She kicks it up a notch. Mm-hmm. We're here in this, like, moody plane with her. We're, 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 we're asking ourselves the half questions. We're saying the half statements, and then we, we decide it's all for love. Life is sad. And so is love. I remember the you know the first time I heard this song, and you know this like I mentioned earlier that this was the probably this was probably the third Kate Bush song I'd ever heard, and. When it got to that part, and so is love, felt like a little bit of a punch in the gut. Because I was not expecting that. And of course, when I was listening to this, I was, oh gosh, I was probably like 19. No, I wasn't even, no, I wasn't even quite 20. I was probably 18, 19, something like that. And Mm -hmm. I really hadn't gone, hadn't, I'd only, I'd been through a couple of breakups at that point, but it was like, Eh, I haven't really, really lived yet. You haven't really lived when you're 18 or 19 anyway. It's still, but that part did, did get me though, because I also wasn't expecting it, but then also just like, it felt like a cry. It really did. It did. It's like a wail, the way she sings it. It, It's a release. It's it's just all the emotions kind of... um, what else, you know, you, it, it takes a very talented vocalist to sing something so pure and so beautifully, but to make you feel everything she's feeling. Like, to sing so pure and beautifully, but still make it sound like a cry, make it sound orgasmic, make it sound... She's completely elevating that musical moment. That's just, just like a real talent in, in expressing herself vocally. And this is why she's a legend. Seriously. Because <laughs> just even just the ways that she, that Kate Bush has been able to use her voice, it's very diverse. You know, she's, I've really, honestly, she's got one of the most diverse voices I've ever heard. Oh, for sure. I mean, she she has her 
super high falsetto kind of like upper register voice, um, young Kate Bush. And then she has her like doing funny voices, Kate Bush. She like sat in your lap, Kate Bush, you know. Um, then she's got these like smooth, smooth vocals. And you think, wow, this is a really talented vocalist. And I keep hearing things about how she's never considered herself like a very good singer. Do you ever read stuff like that? Really? Yeah. Like, she's always been a little bit more shy about her voice. Like, you know, maybe she didn't have the right kind of training with that or... I don't know. But I, I think that she's never... Uh, I could be speaking out of turn, but I've read that she doesn't consider herself, like, the best singer or something. So... Well, and, you know, as much as I love, as much as we all love Kate Bush, I feel like sometimes she's a little bit unnecessarily hard on herself, which is, you know, coming from somebody like me, who is incredibly hard on herself about a lot of things that I, mm-hmm. I think that she's I'm like, no, 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 girl, you got this. No, you you, you got a Thank fucking you amazing that. voice. <laughs> like, shush. And yeah, also, release the I Before mean, the Dawn not, like, DVD. Like we were talking about Barbara Streisand before, like she's not a Barbara Streisand. She can't like sing no. a Broadway musical, but she is so incredible in her own way. Exactly, and then, and you know that's that's what eventually drew me in is that it's just that that Kate is she has one of the most distinctive voices I've ever heard. Like you mm-hmm. you know it within two seconds that it's her, and that's a really awesome thing. That's a really awesome thing that to to have to. To, she she knows her limits and she knows what she can do with her voice and it's very distinctive. So one of the um, when she when she lets out her and so is love wail that really kicks up the the song into like the next gear. So I'm really obsessed with the percussion in the song. It's like these like kind of weird syncopated. I don't even know how to describe what's happening in the song percussively up until this point. But then this like the kick drum comes in, but it's only on the four and it's so like it's like a, the most slow welcome beat kind of welcoming you into the the song with this like really slow groove do you know what I'm talking about mm-hmm. yeah I know what you mean it's incredible and of course like at the at the end of the song the 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 kick on the four becomes like on the two and the four so it kind of like speeds up the urgency of the love there's like a rhythm change toward the end of the song and it's like okay live your life for love okay it's time we like we got to make this happen that's how it makes me feel like we're we've set the stage we need to live our life for love that's what's all that's what what it's all about and that's that's all we've got and like we need to make it happen you know Mm mm-hmm that's what that kick drum makes me feel. So we've got No, you're right. It it does like it put it into a different level. Like we're okay now. We're we're kind of moving a little bit, and also 
that, I mean, because for the first, what I think is interesting is that for the first part of the song that she's singing it, and then when she, when the drums come in a little bit more, she kicks that up an octave, like she jumps the octave on that. So, and yeah, and I mean, I always love it when artists do that anyway, because <laughs> like, it's not just because, oh, yeah, you're showing off your voice a little bit, but also like, it just, it makes it really pop when they do that. Yeah. No, I totally agree. I totally agree. I love that kind of stuff. So, yeah, we talked a while ago when we, when we talked about Suspended in Gaffa, and then I talked to you about seeing Cloud Busting in uh, Dublin, Ireland, and that was really an incredible show. Um, I don't, and Del Palmer played bass at that show. So that was really cool to see him play those songs. What a nice guy too, that Del. Mm-hmm. Um, so then recently I just saw baby Bushka, which is an all female tribute act. There are three main bushes. So they, they give themselves a, a name. It's something Bush. So like the, the main woman who organized, this project she calls herself boss bush there's like dark bush on the base like they all have like a something bush name which Mm -hmm. is adorable so there's three main bushes who do like the the dancing and singing and um choreography and it's like performance art they're doing performance art a bunch of kate songs and i mean their show was like way over two hours i don't say two and a half hours they did like a ton of kate songs and it was really really wonderful but they have a lot of they have a bassist a keyboardist drummer um, a violinist and each person has their own time to shine where they're the lead and um the woman who played guitar her name is heather nation she blew my mind and her she did and so is love Mm -hmm. and um you know i always like I know it's Eric Clapton playing on the record, but in my head, I'm like, wouldn't it be so cool if it were like Kate rocking out on the guitar <laughs> at this moment? Like, I like to picture it that like somebody wrote this incredible song and then they're accompanying themselves by just being a fucking badass on the guitar. <laughs> like and Mark Knopfler like, or something from Dire Straits. Mark Knopfler. Yeah, yeah, like that, like a that. Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, we have like more female representatives of that now like I don't know I mean her I don't really listen to her but whenever I see her on award shows and stuff she's like killing it on the bass or um, accompanying herself or um, what are some other female badass guitarists I don't know I mean they're out there but I always like would love to imagine that this it's really Kate you know just like jamming along with herself because they're not really like playing together you know she sings a line and then the guitar goes and then she sings a line and the guitar sings back to her so I'm like that could it could totally happen and then I got to see Heather do it for Baby Bushka so um not to get like so much into Baby Bushka but like it was a really really special special night I went to down to LA to see it um from Oakland and um they tragically lost a founding member of the group oh, uh, no. during co- during COVID. Yeah, it was during. I think it was a car accident. It was very very sad. Um, mm. Apparently, it was a woman named Nina, and apparently she did like the most incredible version of this woman's work, and everybody would you know sob in the audience. Mm. So they they had a portion of the show which was like um, a memorial for her, 
which was really poignant and really special. And everybody really kind of let them grieve on stage. So they had all of these um, electric candles and then they, you know, they had, uh, they had all these costume changes and stuff. You, Cecily, you would freaking love the show. Oh, I um, wish they had the, if they come over here to this side of the country, hell yeah, I'm there. (laughs) I mean, listen, with the, with the surge in Kate Bush popularity, who's to say that they won't, you know? Yeah, yeah, I would hope so. They did a mini California tour and then they did a UK tour. Uh, recently, so maybe they'll do a national tour. You literally never know. Mm-hmm. Uh, Baby Bushka, if you hear this, I know. Come over, Virginia. come over to Virginia, please. <laughs> Don't go to DC. We have plenty of great venues around here. Please. <laughs> For hell's sake, come on. Baby Bushka, they, they were they were doing this uh, morning part to this woman Nina, and uh, and so is love as part of this on stage morning that they did and. It was really, really, really special. They had, they had um, pictures of her, and they had these like little programs with the, the lyrics to "Moments of Pleasure," so you could sing along for that. But the way that this girl Heather sang "And So Is Love" really took my breath away. It was like really like husky, really special. She had like a really, really special voice, and the way she played, I mean, it was it rivaled Eric Clapton. The way she, the way she let that guitar sing, and I was like, this is what I've always had in my head a person doing both parts and just like feeling it, feeling both of it. You know, mm-hmm. I was, I was really, really impressed by it. And I, I made sure to like find her on Instagram and write to her and tell her how much that moment meant to me. And, uh, it was, it was really, really beautiful. So recording this after I had that experience, seeing her was, was really great. Talking about it and so is love. I feel like I have just such a new appreciation for it too watching somebody use it in the way that they did like grieving or in the way the, the other bushes came in, like on backup vocals, uh, to see an all female collective celebrating her music like this. It, it's so inspiring. It really want, honestly, I want to join the band. I'm like, can I be, <laughs> can I audition somewhere, please? <laughs> <laughs> well, and, yeah. and it's such a grieving kind of song too. So it fits it. It's it makes sense that they uh, they put this in they put that in that list. Yeah, it is. It is a, a grieving a, gr- a song full of grief. I mean, mm-hmm. it's a song about love, but it's it, like I said before. It's like very melancholy, very tragic, and then of course the music video. It's not even. It's so uncomplicated. The music video. I mean, she's in this yeah. like, dark room. She lights a candle. She puts it in this like glass lantern thing, and then. It's not about a relationship. It's like she finds a baby bird. And it's like, what's more direct than nursing a baby bird back to health and then letting it fly free? And mm-hmm. she says, like, you set me free, I set you free. It's a very, yeah, it's a very simple video. I mean, it was taken directly from um, the, the movie, movie right? the, yeah, the line, the cross and the curve. And in, in yeah, in the imagery of birds shows up so much for Kate. Like, Kate loves birds. Yeah. You know, it's like that she famously said her favorite so her favorite singer was in, insert a bird name I cannot remember off the top of my head right now, <laughs> but, but she said that that was her favorite bird. Maybe it was a blackbird. She said it was a blackbird. So this is future Cecily popping in here. So it was in a Radio Two interview in 1996, and. Kate Bush was asked who her favorite singer was, and she responded that her favorite singer was the Blackbird, and her second favorite was the Thrush. So, there you go. 
found the quote. Yay. And there's oh, well, just it's always... gotta be a blackbird because she's always singing about blackbirds. Mm-hmm. They do the song Summer, and then she does the bird sounds on Ariel, and there's like the and whole like, song dedicated to birds, you know? Yeah, and her in like flying over the audience, like she always just wants to fly. Uh, yeah. Or I mean, hell, Night of the Swallow. <laughs> Night of the Swallow. Um, yeah. Top, top of the city, kind of is bird like. It's more like angels, I guess. But, you know, wings. Wings are birds. <laughs> yeah. She just wants to fly. So. And it is, it's a very simple video. And it's taken directly from the movie. And, you know, it's a simple kind of song, really. Like, it's a simple song lyrically. It's a simple song instrumentally. And it just, it fits. It's very kind of moody and contemplative. And it works. Works really well. I like I the video for this song. I think it's a complicated, I think it's a complex song instrumentally personally i don't know that all the elements and all the soundscapes i feel like it's complex i don't know maybe i'm just reading too much into it i know it's just a handful of chords well i mean it's it's kind of got like the drum it sounds like like a a little bit like a programmed drum loop a little bit i mean i don't think i'm not sure if it is um i know a lot of quite a bit of the songs on the album on the red shoes kind of sound like they're programmed drums but also there's there's something about it like parts of the and it's not on this song I noticed it so much but on some of the others like the the drums sound a little bit tinny like it sounds like they turn kind of turn the trouble up a little bit more I don't know but uh I love a, a drum loop I love like a program drum it's like a cocktail twins thing like they, mm-hmm. they famously don't have a drummer so they write all their songs or, I mean they're they're long since broken up but they famously never had a drummer, only like when they toured, and uh, they just programmed all their their drum sounds. And it's like, I, I love that that sound, and I love electronic music. So maybe that's what draws me to the song is is hearing a maybe like a programmed loop. You know, I'm curious. So what do you think? So there's, I mean, there's essentially two versions of this song. So there's there's the the Red Shoes album version. And then there's the director's cut version. What do you think of the director's cut version? Because I've got thoughts. But I'm curious what you think first. Oh, God, you're going to kill me. But I haven't like listened to it in a long time. Oh, it's I fine. Totally forgot about the, I forget about the director's cut. The only song I that I like, I mean, I do like the director's cut. I know famously um, um, it was not popular for fans. I do love the the deeper understanding version with her son and the the weird like horror video deeper understanding director's cut. But I don't think I've heard the Enzo is Love version in a really long time. I forgot about it. What well, to look for when I hear it again? So like I tend to, between the two versions, I tend to like the um the version from the Red Shoes the most, mostly because the director's cut version. There, she changes. She changed one of the lyrics. She changed instead she of. She says, "But now we see that life is sweet." Instead huh. of, "But now we see that life is sad." So it's, "But now we see that life is sweet, and so is love," which completely, I can't explain how. Just like completely changes the meaning of the song. Yeah, it really does. But that's like a, a Kate Bush 
15 years later, how many years after the Red Shoes did she do the director's cut? Uh, well, would have been okay, it was 20, 2011 minus 1992, So it was almost 20 years. Yeah. She wasn't in her pain in that moment where she decided to change it. And that's so interesting to me as well. I'm, I, she's such a mystery. I kind of wonder why she decided to do the director's cut and why she decided to call it director's cut. It's almost like when you think of the director's cut, the movie... I mean, a movie version of a director's cut, it's like, okay, the, the the studio wouldn't let the director put all the scenes in that he wanted to put in or she wanted to put in. And, yet, you know, the editor did X, Y, Z. And so the director decided that he were going to make his own cut of the movie and mm-hmm. you know, edit together. This is like, but Kate has like, she had production control. She had creative control over her music at the time. So... It's like, it's not the same thing, a director's cut. She just really wanted to do her own, like, a new, new versions of these songs. So, yeah. kind of, like, updated versions or not really sure what or why. And I think it still remains a mystery to a lot of fans. So, like, why? Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's kind of a mystery to me as well. Because there are a couple of versions of songs on the director's cut that I like a little more than the original, but I don't tend to go to those versions. I feel like, you know, kind of, we were talking earlier about her being a perfectionist and I feel like it's her being overly perfectionist and going, Oh no, I don't like my earlier work. No, it's not perfect. Ah, even though, I mean, I'm glad the other version, you know, it doesn't take away the fact that, that the original versions exist. I mean, and also I think of it as like, her way of sort of doing a live record without actually going on the road because it feels to mm-hmm. me like if she were doing a tour with a band that this is this might be what they what it would sound like yeah it does not kind of sound like before the dawn in many mm-hmm. ways um i gotta go back after we stop talking i'll go back and listen to the and so is love director's cut version honestly i just can't picture i can obviously i can picture flower of the mountain because that one feels um very different to me and it's the first track on the album and deeper understanding sticks out of my head because there was that video mm-hmm. but i just truly can't recall it so it's love because the i guess the original version is just ingrained in my mind because i'm Mine so obsessed too. with it yeah it's one of those uh life is sweet life is sad it does. It really does make me want to cry when she says, "And now we see that life is sad." You know, it just it, it makes me makes me feel sad that that's her experience at the time. Whether this was based on something she was going through with Dell, or maybe another person, maybe something else that a friend was going through, that it it is it's it's very sad. It it, it feels it feels. But yet it feels more personal in a way that Kate doesn't usually go into. And, I, and I'm, I've noticed that with like this one and then you're the one like it's so if it, it feels like I know that she usually keeps like a distance between who she is as the artist and who she is as the person. Yeah, but, I mean, she's telling stories. She's even she's telling stories about the you know, sci-fi stories in her songs. She's not 
the type of artist who only writes about herself. Right. She's but not yet, like very personal. Like she does. Kate is not someone, even though she was compared at the time to Joni Mitchell, like, okay, what they're women and they sing high. Like guys, let's <laughs> stop trying to pit women against each other. Like what the hell guys? Um, <laughs> hello. Argument from 1992 that Kate and Tori are exactly the same thing. Hmm, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, exactly. But she's not a Joni Mitchell where like, Joni Mitchell, like the little I I have listened to of her music, she's really good. She was really good. And I say was only in the sense of like back when she was recording and doing music on a regular basis, because I know she is, as of this recording, she is still alive. But when mm-hmm. when she was putting out music, like she had a real knack for poetry, finding poetry in conversational kind of lyrics. And... I don't see that quite with I, I with what Kate does. Like she she can do the poetry and I love like her her poetic lyrics, but she's not a she's not a confessional. I'm going to sit down at the the piano and I'm going to bear my entire soul very personal kind of singer-songwriter. I feel like if it's there are any talent. times where she's gone real personal, it's usually behind the face of a character. Mhm. You know, I think she's she's a storyteller, and um, that, I feel like that's what makes her so unique, though. I feel oh, like yeah. a lot of people writing or paying tribute to sci-fi or books in song like she is, and you think, wow, that's really a, an interesting artist who can kind of step outside her own experience and write these, these musical... Um, ways of looking at the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, the, but the Red Shoes feels so personal because we're talking about all of these moments on the album. I mean, obviously she's telling another story though because she's talking about the Red Shoes. She's singing about Lily. She's uh, There's there's parts of the album that feel like classic Kate telling these crazy stories, sci-fi novelist Kate Bush. But even in moments of pleasure where she sings, hey there, Bill. It's like, that's about Bill. You know, mm-hmm. blow away from Bill. We all know who Bill is. Mm-hmm. I mean, we all know, but he, you know, uh, it's it's personal. It's personal to her experience, and you're the one. It's so personal, and and, and so is love. Just feels like her heart shattering all over the floor, and being echoed by Eric Clapton and the guitar. Yeah, I would love to know the relationship between Eric Clapton and Kate Bush. Like, are they friends? I know a lot of musicians in the in the uk just like respect the hell out of her mm-hmm. so. i mean for good reason hell yeah mm-hmm. um i don't know like I've, I've been trying to find quotes or anything of like how they became involved i guess musically i mean the only kind of thing here is and this is part of a bigger quote that uh working with eric clapton was really exciting for me i love his playing and i hoped one day we'd work together i think his performance is very moving and i felt he was very sensitive to the track, the idea of the song was a question-answer phrase, like a conversation between a voice and the voice of a guitar, like you were saying. Um, oh, my God. That's what I so, thought. I yeah. I will always treasure the memory of looking over my shoulder and seeing Eric playing in our control room. Wow. So she was there for it. It wasn't... Oh, I think it was back in the day, everybody, when they recorded music together, they were, like, actually together. Now it's like you can ship off a track and be like, hey, you want to oh, yeah. this track? and then these people don't even meet in person or something. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, hey, the Postal in- Service. 
<laughs> the postal service. You know, if any of you guys listen like the postal service, Ben Gibbard and and is that how they made their music? They did, and that's why they call themselves the Postal Service, because they were shipping tapes back and forth to each other through the Postal Service. Hey. I did not know that. I did not know that. Oh yeah. Yep. They've never they they I mean they they knew each other, but they didn't they just shipped stuff back and forth. Cause also like Ben was working with uh, Death Cat for Cutie right. and stuff, so they were oh, doing wow. it during downtime. Before yeah. you know. I did not know that. <laughs> it's a good album, too. Good well, album. But I'm happy to know that Kate and Eric were in the same vicinity, in the same music studio, working and writing together, because you can feel their connection. You can feel the connection that Eric has to Kate and the way she wrote this song, the way he's playing. Because he's playing his heart out. I have never heard a more resonant guitar solo Honestly, and I love a guitar solo. Love it. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean like Slash and Guns N' Roses guitar solo. I mean like emotive guitar solo where it makes you feel all the emotions. No offense to Slash, but it's not my thing. <laughs> no, but I know what you mean because also like for a while I was really into Dire Straits. Because I, I was obsessed with, because I, I was obsessed with 80s music, early 2000s. And I loved the song. Thing is a jam. I love it. I loved like Money for Nothing, and then I started discovering okay. their other music. And I have a, I have one of Mark Knopfler's um, solo albums. It's Kill to Get Crimson, which was playing, which was played in the store when I worked at a Barnes and Noble back in like the mid two thousands. And he's got this kind of emotive sort of guitar playing that I kind of, like the kind of thing that I hear on this song where like it feels like almost like the guitar is like an extension of mm-hmm. it, like it's able to express things that his voice can't quite oh but, yeah fully well I mean yeah he's got some killer guitar solos I oh my yeah, god yeah me and my husband we went on YouTube a while ago and we were just like watching all these Dire Straits live videos and we were like yeah you can will <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, because I think we were we got into like a little bit of a loophole. We on a on like a Friday night, we were being an old married couple watching YouTube <laughs> in the house, and um, yeah, we were watching Dave Gilmore and just like watching him. I mean, hello, got to be one of the top guitarists of all time. I think Dave Gilmore and his his solos make you feel that. And then I think that like it just kind of auto played some Mark Knopfler dire straight stuff afterwards. And we were like, okay, we're on a kick-ass guitar soloist um, bender right now. It felt very inspiring to watch. I really wish that there were video of Eric Clapton recording this. And Kate really like kind of resonating with what he was doing. Cause yeah, and I it wonder if the star of the song. I wonder if he came up with the solo himself, or and I, I was trying to find some quotes about this, and I, did, I didn't really find anything. But I, or it did Kate kind of give him like a general idea of what she wanted him to do, or did she tell him, "No, you no, it must be these notes or something like that," you know? I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I really do. I wonder the creative process. I, I wonder because there's some moments where I go, wow, that is just genius. Does Eric Clapton have it in him to do that? Or was it Kate giving him direction? I, the world may never find out. Yeah, we may never know. 
<laughs> I don't want to die without knowing. Tell us, Kate. Tell us, Eric. And while you're at it, release the Before the Dawn DVD. God damn it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> release the tape. Not the cry. Release the Kraken that is the Before yeah. the Dawn DVD. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, there's a lot of... Uh, newfound interest in all things Kate right now because mm-hmm. we are recording this in June of 2022 so you never know you never know what's going to be out there you never know if she's gonna want to ride this wave and start releasing things like honestly I don't think she really cares much about like public pressure she no. wants she to release has. things but she, she never has but um at the same time she did release two statements about um Stranger Things and Running Up That Hill, which is like, okay, you know, she spoke twice about it. So she's obviously knowing that she's back out there and the public wants her. Mm -hmm. It does make you think of your art a little differently when you know how widely you're being um, adored. That's all I have to say, you know, Mm -hmm. especially with like a new generation. So, um, which is absolutely, you know. And which is absolutely fantastic. I love that more people are discovering her music and that they're resonating with it, that they're they're feeling the feels like like we still do as longtime fans, you know, you and I. And mm-hmm. and it's just it's just fantastic. It's it feels surreal. <laughs> Honestly, like looking at the billboard charts. But yeah, just seeing her up there with like Harry Styles and Jack Harlow and Lizzo and Glass Animals, which, you know, I still love Heat Waves, Keep Faking Me, or Post Malone. And it's like, holy crap. I know. And she's like topping it all. And it's, I mean, the way that they they use her in Stranger Things is is really emotive. And I Mm -hmm. just really hope that the younger fans, the people that are finding out about her for the first time are really diving in to her collection of music. I mean, preferably not starting with the dreaming because it is the weirdest. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but why not? Right. Why not? Get you know, weird? why not? I, I mean, mean I, listen, there's going to be a small percentage of the new fans who want to get weird. So mm-hmm. like, go, go for it. Hey, go uh, for that, it. That was always my diving into a new artist was like, just wanting to just dive into the full catalog of music. So go for it. Is what we say. I mean, I gotta be. I think the dream. I think the dreaming might have been the second album of hers I'd ever heard. So I was like, okay, fine. I'm gonna get this dreaming thing that like everybody keeps talking about being experimental. Holy moly! Holy moly! <laughs> I was listening to it on yeah, headphones. the baby Bushka show was the baby Bushka show was very heavy on the dreaming because <gasps> they really delved into the performance art aspect of performing Kate's songs. And uh, so lots of the dreaming, very well represented in this show, which okay. um, was awesome. <laughs> uh, and so, you know, the Red Shoes is, is such a departure from the dreaming because it is so, like, I don't want to, like, not experimental, not, it's just a little bit more straightforward. Um, it is. But not that doesn't take away from its beauty. And uh, we were talking about the video earlier and I remembered that she directed it, right? Like she directed the whole line to cross in the curve mm-hmm. movie. And she really does. And, and I know she directed the experiment for video. Yep. She, she really did. does have a, a, a talent for directing. I wish she would do more directing. Cause I felt like those are some interesting 
visually and, and everything that she was going for. I feel like she really did achieve it. Yeah. And I mean, it doesn't surprise me that Kate wanted to start directing. I mean, she, she's taken, she took control of everything else, which, you know, I fucking love. I mean, that's part of one of the things that I find so inspiring about Kate. It's just that, that she, in a time where women really weren't taking full control of their careers. Yeah. That she was doing everything she wanted to be. She wanted to sing. She wanted to write. She wanted to engineer and produce. And then, her doing videos it just it made sense it gets another creative outlet and she also loves movies and tv shows like Mm -hmm. she's clearly very inspired by those for her work so it makes sense she would go for that i and i think one of my favorite videos really is is her experiment for one because it's just oh yeah oh that thing could just be turned into a whole movie right there i i I mean you Wait, did you do an episode already on Experiment 4? Yes. Yep, 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 okay. yep. I need to go back and listen to that because it's one of my favorite songs. It's just so, so out there. Oh, you would have loved what Baby Bushka did at their show with it. They they had, like, like little lab coats. They had these, these like, um, I don't know how they even did it. Dry ice, kind of, with, like, these, like, test tubes. It was really cool what they did. Ooh. Uh, yeah, they really went all out with their, like, homemade props. I was... <laughs> <laughs> like this could be like a full-on Vegas stage show review right now for you know you got your Britney Spears you got your Silk Sonic and then you have the Kate Bush uh, review at the mm-hmm. MCM Grand or something <laughs> like that I would go for it I would go for it that would be amazing like <laughs> this could be our new reality with our you know how mm-hmm. how popular Kate is these days but let's not get ahead of ourselves I know. So, well, uh, is there anything else to add about this song? I think we pretty much covered everything. I hope so. I hope I don't have a thought later and go, oh, I should have talked about that. But <laughs> I, I yeah. definitely mentioned her, the kick, the kick drum that speeds up at the end of the song. It just really lights this fire in me to, to, and she, and, She's kind of an artist who really plays on the the coda, right? The the like these this like kind of changing it up towards the end of the song. So I always appreciate that about her. I don't know. Is there a demo version of the song? Not that has been released. Um, now, when I get to when I get to why should I love you? Oh, that's going to be interesting to talk about because oh hi spoiler alert! I prefer the demo version of that that leaked leaked like. Five years ago, I prefer that version. Mm. I but, love the demo version yes. of that song. Oh, Such God. a beautiful version of that song. Like, if I'm going to listen to Why Should I Love You, it's the demo version. Mm-hmm. A thousand percent. Hell I yeah. Mean, and talk about poetry. That is like, that is a poetic song. So, makes me wonder what she's even talking about half the time. Not And So Is Love. And So Is Love is to it's very straightforward. the point. Mm-hmm. Like a Hallmark card, you know, it's it, the, the the front of the card says, and you, huh? And then you open it up and it says, live your life for love. And that's it. The end. That's the card. And I love it. It is, you know, it is a beautiful song. But talking about it with you, it's like, yeah, you know, you're right. Because it is, it's, it, it is, it's, it is a very beautiful song. And she sings and emotes it well. I mean, she always does. She's trying something new. She's she's going a little bit more to the point. And I know at, at this point, it seemed like 
she wanted, she was talking about possibly doing a tour. And so that's probably why she kind of like, I'm not going to say stripped it back a little bit, but just why it, it seemed, seems like the, some of the songs were a little bit more simple, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause it would be easier to replicate live, which, you know, at that time in the early nineties, yeah, that would have been true. Like it would have been a little harder to, to do super complicated stuff. Although to be fair though, at the same time, at this time we had Depeche Mode who, you know, most of their music are like, they they would travel around and tour with with tapes and tapes and tapes that they just knew, okay, we're going to do Shake the Disease. Okay, here we got to play through, play these tapes because these are sounds that cannot be replicated live. Mm, I love Shake the Disease. Oh my God. I haven't heard oh, that song too. in a really long time. Great song, great song. Mm -hmm. I love Behind the Wheel also. Um, I know we're getting sidetracked into our Depeche mode. It's okay. (laughs) But, yeah, you know, I think that's kind of what she was aiming for with this album. Like, probably trying to do something that could be easily replicated live. And then things just kind of fell apart. And she went, eh, I don't have the energy to do that. Which, you know, to be fair... We would all love it for her to actually be out there performing, but it does take a lot out of you. Like I say that, and I'm not even a, I'm not even a performer that travels around the world. I just do Twitch streams and that can still get pretty exhausting because <laughs> it's like, yeah. you're like the energy, you're like in front of people and just, just giving that, like it can be, it can be very exhausting. So, but and then it just turned into the line, the cross and the curve. And that's what we got instead. Well, it's still a masterpiece. The the red shoes. Whatever people say about it not being a great album or not, I mean, I just I don't know what they're smoking to be honest because I think it is really special. And the more I listen to it, the more I fall in love. So yeah, and some of is in my top five. Um, did I ever ask you what your top five Kate songs are? Um, I don't. I know think you love so. a bit of the swallow. Yeah. Um, so number one is cloud busting. Um, number two is love and anger. Um, I know, I know that, uh, ne t'en fuis pas is up there. Wait, what'd you say? Uh, ne t'en fuis pas. It's a, one of her B sides from the dreaming era. Oh my God. I don't know it. How do I spell it? Okay. It's French. I can't speak French. Actually, I do speak French. Uh-huh. Wait, wait, aren't you like a French teacher? <laughs> well, I'm actually an interpreter at this point, but yeah, I, I, mean, I do speak French. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Unlike Girls Aloud, I actually do speak French. <laughs> um, I'm actually trying to find, I had a document of my top 10. Um... No, it's a top five. When I when I remember off the top of my head, cloud busting, love and anger, under the ivy, wow, the red shoes title track. Yeah, I gotta say, I think running up that hill is on my top five as well. And I'm just thinking, like, yeah, it's like popular song, but it's so good. It just feels so good to listen to, and it's really emotional. And um, so I was watching the Ansel's Love video over and over and over last night, trying to get my mind ready to record today. And um, what came on next? Reading up that hill video. 
<laughs> such a great video. I mean, I'm just so happy that anybody who found the song through Stranger Things and went on YouTube to watch the official video is watching this like gorgeous contemporary dance. Like, mm-hmm. you know, Kate has never looked more lovely than she is in that video and more. I mean, like, what pop star do you know doing that type of dance in, the, in their videos? I mean, no one. No one. I mean, even more at that time. I mean, not even now. Not now, not ever. Not Have ever, I now. somebody do a, a, a piece of movement like that in a music video in which they are singing. And, I mean, it's just so emotional. So, no wonder she's she's just soaring in popularity. We have been so starved for authentic emotions being conveyed in in art and you know what we've all been going through with this pandemic Mm -hmm. i'm not so i'm not surprised with this that her the way she um emotes in her music is really connecting with everybody so i really hope they find in so's love next (laughs) i know and i hope they start delving into songs like this and just there's guys if you're listening to this there is un- and there's more and that's not all <laughs> you know like there is so much good stuff out there there's so much we, we're so lucky honestly we're so lucky to live in a time with like how many k-bush albums 12 or something so many and honestly going to see the last tory tour was really cool too because she has so many albums she was really trying her best to represent all, all of them at least one song from every album um and some, you know, heavier on, on other albums than others. But, like, it, it was really great uh, to, to see her not ignoring anything that she's done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, even in, gosh, you know, there are, Tori has even more albums than Kate does. Yeah. Like, she's constantly recording and releasing. And mm-hmm. So, yeah, but just really celebrating her full discography on a tour is, is really cool especially for somebody who has so many songs so many albums oh yeah yeah well it was so much fun talking about and so was love indeed I I articulate what i feel when i listen to the song it's it's really hard to put it into words no it can be sometimes no i think i think we i think you did a great job and also just thank you so much for for taking the time to to be on the show again always great to connect with other kate fans and oh yeah it's so fun <sighs> talking to you always glad we got to catch up a bit too indeed and this is future cecily just piping in here i wanted to add this into the episode because as i was editing it i realized oh wait we forgot to talk about something and that is a top of the pops performance that Kapush did for promoting and so is love as a single so this song released was <coughs> it got to number 26 in the uk singles chart And it was her first performance on Top of the Pops in nine years. And she got to promote this song there. And I'm going to link to it in the show notes. She looks absolutely fantastic and beautiful in this performance. She's wearing this beautiful dark leather jacket. And she's got like the reddest lipstick you can possibly think of. And it's just absolutely stunning. And I love her hair and everything. It's just beautiful, beautiful, beautiful performance, beautiful song, beautiful lady. And she also has two female backing singers by her side, though she's not singing it live she is lip syncing but still she is performing the song i'm gonna link to that in the show notes and so you guys can watch that later yay
thank you all so much for listening to this week's episode of Strange Phenomena, the music of Cape Bush, the first episode of 2023. Oh my goodness, we are new year and new episode. Thank you all so much for listening. If you enjoy what I'm doing on the show, here's how you can support the show and also be a part of it. You can find me on Twitter at StrangeKateCast, on Facebook, facebook.com slash Podcast, And you can also email me katebushpodcast at gmail.com. I also have a hotline, so you can call a particular number and leave a brief message about your favorite Kate Bush song, and it can be played on a future episode. And that is 1-757-349-6369. That's 1-757-349-6369. So you can leave a brief message about your favorite song. It can get played on a future episode. Hey, I think that's pretty cool. I hope that's pretty cool. So anyway... Thank you so much again for listening, and we're going to continue on through the red shoes. We're going to go dancing with our red shoes into the next song that's going to come out, which will be about Eat the Music, so track number three. Really looking forward to talking about that one with you guys. Thank you so much again, and I will see everybody next time for Eat the Music. Bye! Bye!